Amen. Bless them this morning. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Appreciate the good singing. Appreciate the testifying. Appreciate the presence of God. If you'll go with us to Matthew chapter 27 this morning. Matthew chapter 27. They're singing that song. And I thought about, it's already been testifying, but I thought about, had it not been for Jesus Christ, where would I be at today? Where would you be at today? You say, well, preacher, I was raised in church, and that's all wonderful and good, but you might not still be in church. I'll tell them where there's a lot of people raised in church that didn't stay in church. And then I think one of the worst places to have to be in life is to be in church and, and be lost, to be so close but yet so far away. It goes a lot along with what I'm going to preach on this morning. And uh, I just got up this morning and I had a message prepared to preach and then the Lord spoke to my heart about this passage and so I want to be obedient to God this morning. Matthew chapter 27, I'm thankful for the Word of God, amen. What a comfort it is in trying times, what a help it is. And we're living in trying times, but we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us, amen. And I appreciate the Word of God. Matthew chapter 27, if you're able to stand with us. And verse number 3, Matthew 27, and verse number 3. The Bible said, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. They took counsel and bought with them the, potter, the potter's field to bury strangers. And wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Father, I ask you this morning in Jesus' name to speak to every heart. I pray the Holy Spirit would take the Word of God and minister to us. I pray that you'd help us that are saved to... Open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word and to one that is lost this morning. I pray, dear God, that they would see themselves in need of a Savior. Lord, nothing would crown this day any better than to see somebody come to the cross and be born again. And I pray, God, that you would do that. I pray for the convicting power, the drawing power of salvation this morning, the life of some sinner. And for what you do, we'll love you and praise you and thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice with me in verse number 3, I want you to notice the sinner in our text this morning. The Bible said, then Judas. And Judas was no ordinary sinner. When you think about him, he spent much time with Jesus. And he not only spent time with Jesus, but he served along the side of Jesus. And he heard more and he saw more than anybody that lived in the day of Christ when it came to what Jesus did. But in all that he did and all that he served and all that he, he saw walking with Jesus and, and living with the other disciples and seeing the miracles that, that he had done, none of it had any effect on him spiritually. And Judas's life as a sinner proves that you can be around the things of God and you can be even involved in the things of God and still not know the Savior. Amen? And so we see the sinner in this text. And then I want you to notice the sin in verse number 3. The Bible said, Then Judas, 
which had betrayed him. I mean, when you think about it, Judas is known for a lot of things. A thief, he's known for someone who is greedy. He's even known for a disciple that had the ability to perform some miracles. But what he is known most for is that of a betrayer. He betrayed the Son of God. The sin of betrayal, I think, is one of the worst sins that the uh, in the eyes of men, when you consider that, that someone would uh, be so deceitful, so disloyal, so hurtful. Uh, in many cases it can even be unforgivable in the eyes of those that do not know God but Jesus even though uh, uh, Judas had betrayed him Jesus did not hate Judas amen he loved him in spite of his sin just as he loves me and you in spite of our sin you say well I don't understand how that Jesus could love somebody like Jesus Judas uh, I would say this morning that I can agree with that because I don't understand how that Jesus could love somebody like me and how he could love somebody like you. But the fact that Jesus loved Judas in spite of his sin is living proof that he loves us in spite of our sin. We were every bit as much a sinner as what Judas was. We was every bit as much of a betrayer as what Judas was. And it wasn't just Judas's sin that nailed Jesus to the cross, but my sin and your sin along with Judas's sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. And so I noticed the sinner and I noticed the sin. But I do want you to notice the Savior in this text here. Then Judas which had betrayed him talking about Jesus. Amen. I mean Judas uh, uh, not only betrayed anyone but he betrayed the darling Lamb of God. I mean he betrayed someone who cared for him. Someone who loved him. Someone who was going to die for him. That's the tragedy of the cross is that Jesus didn't just die for me and you but he died for Judas. Amen. He died for Barabbas. He died for Pilate. He died for all of them that day that rejected him and went to hell. That's why I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe Jesus died for some and didn't die for all men. And if he died for all men, then that means all men can be saved this morning. And so we notice the Savior here. But there is a fourth thing in this text that I want to draw your attention to this morning because it's not just mentioned one time, but it's mentioned several times. I I want you to notice the silver in verse number three. The Bible said that when he saw that he was was condemned, he repented himself and he brought again, notice this, the 30 pieces of silver. And then if you look at verse number five, the Bible says, and he cast down the pieces of silver. In verse number six, the chief priest took the silver pieces. Then in verse number nine, the Bible said that it was fulfilled, that it was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver. I mean, if you notice the silver in this text is mentioned several times and I think it's interesting because in verse number 3 the silver is carried to the chief priest and to the elders and then in verse 5 this silver is cast down by Judas in the temple in verse number 6 it's collected by those same chief priests and then finally it's cast in in verse number 9 and 10 for a field that they bought known as the field of blood I mean there's a lot being said about this silver in this text and you know anytime the Bible highlights something and over and over, we ought to pay careful attention to that. I mean, God is wanting to say something and I believe there is a sermon this morning in this silver. And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on trading the Savior for silver. Amen? Trading the Savior for silver. I mean, when you think about Judas, he lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He walked along beside him. Jesus took care of him. He lived with the other disciples 
angels, uh, but it had no spiritual effect on him, none whatsoever. When he saw the opportunity, when the time came, you know what he did? He cashed the Savior in for the silver of this world. And I've seen people like that, and I'm sure you have too, uh, raised up in church, go to the house of God, around the things of God, involved in the things that are going on in the church. Uh, but the first opportunity that came along, the first time they got old enough, or maybe the first time a, a spouse or somebody died in their family that held their feet in the house of God, the first opportunity they had, they traded the Savior for the things of this world. You see, this silver not only represents money, but it represents material. It represents anything uh, that we would value over the Savior. Amen? And there's a lot of people that's cashed in for the pleasures of this world. They've cashed in for the popularity or the possessions of this world. But I want to tell you this morning, I'd like to say along with the songwriters, you sing that song, Brother Danny, I'd rather have Jesus uh, than silver or gold. Uh, I'd rather be his uh, uh, than have riches untold this morning. Uh, I want to tell you, he's more precious than all the diamonds uh, and all the rubies uh, of this old world. Uh, all the monetary things of this world, what this text proves this morning is that material things cannot buy you happiness and peace and joy. Amen. When I look at this text this morning, there's three things about this silver and Judas that amazes me. And I'll give you these three things and give an imitation and be through. Number one, I would say this morning in verse number three, when I think about Judas and I think about this silver, I'm amazed at what he saw. Notice the Bible said, then Judas, which had betrayed Jesus, look at this, when he saw that he was condemned. You know, it's a good day when you see that you're condemned. Because when you see that you're condemned, that means there's hope you can be saved. Now I'll tell you what I believe in this text. Others may uh, differ from the fact. I know that a spirit entered into uh, Judas and I know that God providentially was in control. But I'll tell you when a man sees that he's condemned, if he'll repent in the right direction, if he'll turn to the right person. Jesus loved Judas. He died for Judas. Uh, he didn't want Judas to go to hell no more than anybody else. Amen. He does, does know all things this morning, but he didn't elect Judas to go to hell. I'm telling you, Judas had a free will he had a choice like every other man and what this silver does in this text uh, it opened his eyes uh, he saw some things you say what did this silver open his eyes to this silver was the tool you see the devil used to deceive Judas uh, it was the tool that the devil used uh, uh, my friend to disappoint him uh, and to ultimately to doom and destroy and the devil will use anything you hear me this morning he'll use booze he'll use adultery he'll use perversion he'll use religion he'll take anything in this world and use it as a tool uh, to try to deceive and destroy and doom your life uh, but he used this silver in the life of Judas here and Judas saw the condemnation of his own sin in verse number 3 he saw the condemnation of his own soul uh, he saw the condemnation of this silver I mean Judas realized that silver was not going to satisfy him that he got the bad end of the deal he got the short end of the stick and can I tell you the 
devil will never play fair. The devil will never treat you right. Uh, if you cast Jesus in for the things of this world, I promise you there's coming a day when your eyes are going to be open and you're going to realize uh, it wasn't worth it. Amen? It wasn't worth all the good timing. It wasn't worth all the sinful pleasures. Uh, it wasn't worth the regrets and the scars uh, that sin can leave in your life. Uh, even if you can obtain all the fame and all the fortune, we've already seen men and women that have done that only to find out that it still doesn't give peace. It still doesn't give joy. It still leaves you longing for more. They traded the silver for Savior and they saw what Judas saw. It does not satisfy. Amen. Can I tell you the problem with Judas's repentance in verse number three is that he repented within himself, the Bible said. He didn't repent toward Jesus. I'm going to tell you, when you cross God's deadline, you don't repent. I've used the illustration before, but I'll use it again to prove the point. A lady came to me one time in an altar, and she was praying, and, and she couldn't get it settled. She wanted to be saved, but she said to me and my wife down there, she said, uh, she said, I, I think I've crossed God's deadline. I said, why do you think you've crossed God's deadline? She said, I really don't know. I, I just, what if I've crossed it? What if I can't be saved? What if, I, what if I've went too far? What if I've said no too many times? I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you want to be saved? She said, I want to be saved. I said, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Because if you'd have crossed God's deadline, you wouldn't want to be saved. You wouldn't be willing. I said, are you willing to repent of your sins and believe the gospel? She said, I am. And thank God she did. And she got born again. I'm telling you, listen, when people go to hell, they don't ever repent. Amen. You know, when the rich man went to hell, I've wondered this. He said to Father Abraham, he said, send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. I wonder if the rich man in hell still saw Lazarus as a servant, as a beggar. I wonder if he still saw himself as someone that was rich. I, I kindly think he did because of what Abraham said. He said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things uh, and Lazarus the evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Abraham reminded him, Hey, you're not living the high life over here on this side of eternity like you was on earth. Uh, you're not the same person you thought you was on that side. You've lost everything. Uh, you traded the silver for the Savior and Lazarus is not a beggar anymore. Lazarus is not not a servant anymore but thank God Lazarus is a child of the king he's a believer I'm going to tell you eternity changes everything friend when we leave this walk of life uh, we're not taking the things of this world with us uh, when we leave this walk of life our status in this society is not going to matter in eternity the only thing that's going to matter is how we stand with God and how we stand before God and I ask you this question this morning are you saved oh may God as it's already been prayed this morning may God open the eyes of the blind and let you see yourself as you really are. I want to say this morning I'm amazed that after all that Judas had done, he saw. Judas saw himself. I want to tell you no one can be saved until they see themselves. You think about even after we get saved and our eyes are open and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside, and we know that we're born again, do you realize it takes the Holy Spirit to still show us, even we that are saved, how we really stand with God? 
I mean, you'll go through life thinking everything's okay and a man of God will get up and preach and maybe he's not even preaching in your direction. Maybe he's not even preaching in your area. But I'll tell you, the Word of God and the Holy Ghost will reveal something in our life. I'll tell you, I don't want to get to the place where I'm blind and can't see afar off and forget that I was purged from my old sins. What I'm saying in this text here, for the first time, Judas saw it's too late. I'm amazed at what he saw. And then I'm amazed in verse number four at what he said. Saying, that's the first word of verse number four. He said, saying, I have sinned and that I betrayed the innocent blood. Well, when you think about Judas's what he, what Judas, what he says in verse number four, he confesses his sin publicly. I mean, he says to these religious leaders, he, he goes to the chief priests and the elders, uh, and he uh, confesses his sin publicly. He confesses his sin plainly. He said, I have sinned. Uh, he, he confesses it precisely in the fact that he calls out his sin. He said, I betrayed. He, he named the sin that he had committed, and he said it perfectly. He said, I betrayed innocent blood. Uh, I'm telling you in this text, do you realize uh, that Judas not only saw who he was uh, and saw who Jesus was, uh, but he come to the place he confessed it. He said who he was uh, and he said who Jesus was. But he didn't get saved. How can a man see himself and see the Savior? How can a man confess who he is and confess who God is and still not get saved? I'm going to tell you how. He confessed it to the wrong person. He went to the chief priests and elders, but he didn't go to Jesus. Isn't it amazing how people will go to everybody else but Jesus? I've seen them, brother, come down to the altar and you'd think they was going to get saved. I mean, God smote their heart. They saw themselves for who they was and, and they even went so far as to get out of their seat and come to the altar and kneel down on their knees and bow their head. I'm telling you, here's the real test of man when it, the rubber meets the road. I'm telling you, there's the real test. It's not us bowing our head and confessing before men, but it's us bowing our head and confessing before God. And there's one thing you won't find out about Judas. He never would confess to Jesus. Jesus, if he had told Jesus what he told the chief priests and elders, the story might have been different. I'm amazed at what he saw. I'm amazed at what he said. I'm telling you this morning, we're going to give an account for everything that we say. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36, uh, the Bible said, Every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I'm going to tell you, uh, Judas' own words is condemning him in this text. Uh, He sees himself lost. Uh, He sees himself hopeless. Uh, He sees Jesus uh, as innocent, as he really is. It's innocent blood. You know why we're saved? They sung about the blood a while ago. I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't Adam's blood that washed our sins away. Because Adam's blood's not innocent. Amen. It's not my blood or your blood or the blood of bulls and goats and calves. But it's with the precious blood of Christ. We've been He was a lamb slain before the foundations of this world. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you 
you deny the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll go to hell. Amen. I'm telling you, it still takes a blood to be saved. I don't care what Dr. So-and-so says. I don't care what somebody puts in a book. I don't care how many degrees they got on the wall. I'm telling you, without the shedding of blood, there is and there never will be no remission of sins. But I'm glad at Calvary that day, Jesus shed his blood. It didn't spill it. It wasn't an accident. But thank God, God opened up a fountain that day when the Lamb of God bore his sin, bore our sins, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died. Hallelujah. And thank God my sins are under the crimson flow. Hallelujah. You say, where are your sins at? For a long time, I didn't know where they was. But I'll tell you where they're at. They're under the blood this morning. Amen. Washed away for time and eternity. God would have hit them somewhere. Don't you know the devil would have found them? Or he'd have marked the spots. What God did, he put them in a place where the devil can't never go and wouldn't go. Amen. He put them under the blood. And the blood has washed away our sins. Hallelujah. And I'm amazed at what he saw. I'm amazed at what he said. And then verse 5. I'm amazed at what Judas scattered. The Bible says, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And he went and hanged himself. August Van Ryan had an interesting thought. He said that Judas was a con artist, a thief. And Judas, you know, there's two or three places. I didn't take the time to pull the scriptures up, but you can look at them when you go home. There's two or three places in the Bible. Whenever the crowd would come against Jesus, the Bible said that Jesus escaped out of their midst. Well, Judas saw that, didn't he? He saw the Savior escape. And no doubt Judas being the thief, the, the carn honest artist that he was, he probably disguised a plan, Van Ryan says, that, that he would sell Jesus for, I mean, 30 pieces of silver was a lot of money then, but he could have sold him for more. Van Ryan said he believes that he sold him for 30 pieces of silver because in the end he knew that Jesus could escape. But when he saw, the Bible says, that he betrayed innocent blood. When he came to the place where he realized that he's not getting out, he's not going to get away like he did before. This time he's going to a cross. Uh, This time he's going to die. This time I've betrayed innocent blood. All of a sudden the fact that he threw down the very thing that he wanted uh, tells us that he came to the place that he realized uh, Jesus isn't going to get out. He's going to Calvary. And all of a sudden that silver wasn't worth the Savior. You see, this morning we see Judas and the treasury. He let go just before he dies. He lets go of that money. I mean, we see him in the temple in verse number 5. Isn't it interesting that Judas goes to the temple? I mean, the last place that he goes to before he dies is he goes to a spiritual place, a man that was never spiritual a day in his life. He goes to the temple. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people, they get quote-unquote spiritual toward the end, but you better have more than a temple. You better have more than church membership. You better have more than good works and water baptism. None of that's going to get you to heaven, friend. If you haven't been washed in the blood, born again by the good grace of God, you'll go the same place Judas went to. I see Judas in the tragedy. He went out and committed suicide. Hey, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to kill. The thief cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Young people, you listen to me. 
The devil wants to destroy your life this morning. The devil wants to destroy your marriage this morning. There's not a marriage in this home or in this church that's hell-proof this morning outside the grace of God. And this morning, if you're right with God, I believe with all my heart, you'll want to stay right with your spouse. Can I get a witness there? This morning, I think about in this text, Judas... He, we see him in the temple. We see Judas and uh, the tragedy. He dies and he, and he goes to hell. What an awful tragedy. I don't wish anybody to go to hell. I'm telling you this morning, I, I don't care how wicked and how sorry somebody's been. I don't think we ought to make jokes about people dying and going to hell. Amen. Nothing funny about that. That's a soul that's damned for all eternity. That's some mother's son. Hey, that's a soul that Jesus gave his life for. You say they're wicked, they're ungodly. Yes, they are, but Jesus still died for them and they could have been saved. And I see Judas in his title in verse number seven and verse number eight. The Bible said they took counsel and bought with them the the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, the field that was called the field of blood unto this day. Isn't that tragic? A man that betrayed innocent blood the very thing that he sold the Savior for bought a field of blood for other strangers to be buried in. The devil will make a fool out of us if we let him. Money will not buy you peace. It will not buy you happiness. Money can never buy you contentment. This morning America is ate up with the God of mammon. Nothing wrong with having money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And some people never had much of it, but they spent their life chasing it. They loved it. Some have had plenty of it, but could live with it or live without it. Just lived as normal as anybody else. I would say say to you and I this morning uh, that the American dream has become the American nightmare because many have turned their heart towards silver and they've turned their heart from the Savior. But can I tell you the happiest people I've ever met in life, they were not rich people necessarily. They weren't people that had a lot. And I've met some people that were saved that were, and God had blessed them. I'm not against that. I think you understand but the happiest people I ever met was not marked by their money. They was marked by their Savior, amen. They was marked by a life of living for Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this morning, if God blesses you, more power to you. But if he don't give you money, you've got riches that money can't buy. You don't have to sit around with the mully grubs. Uh, don't spend your life chasing the dollar. And uh, Listen, if God gives you a job to make a living, be content with such things as you have. For life does not consist in the abundance of things. I'll tell you what life does consist in. It consists in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't trade what I feel in my soul this morning for all the wealth of this world. I wouldn't trade it, young people, for all the pleasures of this world. A good conscience at night. I'm telling you to be able to pillow your head in peace. Have the joy in your heart. To have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. To know that heaven's your eternal home. That's riches tonight or this morning. That money cannot by you and Judas traded it all for 30 pieces such a little amount of money to trade for all eternity I wonder this morning sinner 
What will you trade for the Savior? What would you trade for Jesus? Is it your sin, some sinful pleasure? I went to a man's house one time, me and my father-in-law on visitation. And that man lived in a house. When we walked in, there was no furniture in that house. There was a little table in the kitchen area. Very poor, lived by himself. We tried to win that man to God. He lived two blocks from the church I pastored. We tried to win that man to God. We sat down in that floor and we took them our New Testaments and we gave him the gospel. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I want to be saved. He pointed in that kitchen right there and on that table was a fifth, a crown royal. He said, I can't give that up. I said, sir, I said, if you'll trust Jesus Christ, I said, he'll, he'll help you to give it up. He said, no, you don't understand. At least he was honest. He said, I don't want to give that up. He said, I reckon I just have to go to hell. And I never saw that man a few years later. I mean, I'd seen him from time to time. We give him a track. But I, you know, left. And he's was an older man then. It's been years ago. I know he's in eternity now. But he said what a lot of people in their heart think. He looked at that liquor and he said, I don't want to give it up. He traded the Savior for a fifth of crown royal. If the devil could get you to trade Jesus for anything, he'll, he'll give it to you this morning if you want to. And this morning our heads are about eyes are closed as we stand. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ and the free pardon of sin? Is there anything right now? I, I tell you what keeps a lot of people from getting saved. It's what they're holding on to. What is it this morning? Is it pride? Is it religion? Is it money? Is it pleasures? Is it the things of this world? I'm going to tell you something. If you trade that for the Savior, you'll be like Judas. Don't trade him. He loves you. He died for you. I'm convinced this morning he'll save anybody that'll come to him. Bow their heads and say, Lord, I want to be saved. Jesus will save you because he's in a saving business. He wants to save you. He wants you to go to heaven. I'm telling you this morning, from the youngest to the eldest, he's our Savior and he wants to save you. We're going to sing a verse or two of this old song. If you're lost... Would you come and accept Christ this morning while we sing?